There are so many women sitting in churches that feel like God can't use me because of this past sin in my life that nobody knows about or very few people know about. And the truth of the matter is that when God heals them, he can take that and use them so powerfully. And that doesn't mean that they have to go out and tell a bunch of people that they had an abortion. But but that healing um, and that wholeness that the Lord brings is going to open them up to be able to do whatever God's called them to do. How do you forgive when the wound is still open? How do you leave a legacy of redemption instead of dysfunction? How do you trust God when your deepest fears are realized? Join me, Sarah May, along with some wise mentors along the way as we explore these and other messy heart topics and the strategies we can use to seek healing in the pain and restoration in the ruins. Welcome to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Hi, welcome to today's podcast. Today I have Anne Gale, who just retired, but has been the assistant director of the Pregnancy Resource Clinic in State College, Pennsylvania, which is where Penn State University is. And Anne was actually my, she's a post-abortion, uh, post-abortion counselor, and she does a lot of roles or did a lot of roles at the clinic, but she was my post-abortion counselor. And she has been doing this kind of counseling for over 20 years. And I am so grateful to have her here today. And welcome to the show. Thank you. And how did you become a post-abortion counselor? And what is a post-abortion counselor? Well, when I started working for the Pregnancy Resource Clinic back in 1994, my then director would meet with women who were um, struggling due to past abortions, maybe um, struggling emotionally. And there was a Bible study that she would take them through. And the Lord started to give me such a heart for um just the hurt that I was seeing even in clients that would come in that shared stories with me of experiences that they'd had that caused them to make a decision to abort. And then um, subsequently just some of the pain that they were experiencing as a result. And when that particular director retired, then I kind of um, took over that ministry and started working with women as I met them um, that who were interested. And so, yeah, that's how it started. And it has been a passion of mine for a long time. <laughs> mm. You had said that one of the things that gave you great compassion was seeing women who were struggling with emotional pain of abortion. Can you tell us a little bit about what that has looked like, what you've seen in your years of ministering to these women? Sure. There is a really wide range of uh, things that women have 
experienced and can experience. I think about some examples would be, um, I remember one young woman who came in, um, who was a college student at the time, and told me that whenever she couldn't even use the vacuum because every time it turned on, she would have flashbacks to her abortion. Or another young woman who would wake up in the dorm at night and hear a baby crying. And she knew that there was no baby in the dorm, Mm -hmm. but yet she would go look for it. And I, and actually, once I met a young woman who had a psychotic break on campus a couple times, she had been removed from class. Um, and they would be more extreme things. In general, I, I would, I've seen women who have had a lot of depression or um, anger, fear, um, what people are going to think, or fear that they can't, the Lord can't use them, or. Um, they can't be forgiven, some with eating disorders, some with drug and alcohol abuse, intimacy problems in their relationships, or sometimes fear that they won't be, um, that they're not good enough moms. And so they may become super moms and super protective, or they have trouble bonding with their children. Yeah. I always think if I had not gone into post-abortion counseling, I think I would have really struggled to bond with my own children because before I even knew that I needed help, uh, post-abortion help, because I was in such denial. But if I would see little kids, I would just tear up. Like I didn't even want to be around them, but I didn't understand why. And after going through post-abortion counseling, it was like I could see children and I could hug them and I could be near them. And so I am, that was a big one. I mean, there were so many things, obviously, that you and I went through in my own counseling. But um, a really big one was being able to bond with not just my own children, but just people in general. I, I really had a hard time with that. What have you learned and why it is that women struggle after they have abortions because, you know, often we're told, and this is what I was taught, that it's it's really not a big deal. Like it's just this one and done quick procedure. It's not even really a baby and, um, and you'll be fine. Like you're going to emotionally be totally fine. And what have you learned about, about whether that's true or not? Well, I can't speak for every woman who's had an abortion. Mm -hmm. So I think certainly there, there probably are women, there may very well be women out there who haven't, who haven't struggled. Yeah. But I think the underlying reason or root that women choose abortion is fear. And it may be fear of, I can't finish school or fear that my husband or boyfriend's going to find out that I had an affair or fear that um, my parents are going to kick me out or financial fear, or I can't just, I can't handle another child. Just there are many, many reasons. And so um, then what they're told is like you said, you know, this will take care of it. And it's kind of like the idea of wanting to just go back to being not pregnant. I don't want to be pregnant. The problem is that 
you can never go back. You always will have been pregnant. And so then I feel like as soon as, very often, as soon as the abortion happens, there, there certainly is relief, but then other things come, fears come into play. Will I be able to have other children? What if um, someone finds, what if my church family finds out or my parents find out? Will God ever forgive me? Um, so then there's all those fears that come, can come rushing in, I guess that main things I've seen. The other surprising thing that whenever I share my story, I always have women come up to me who say, I've never told anybody. I mean, they might be 70 years old and they'll say, I never told anybody. There's so much shame. Do you see that a lot when women come to you? Yes. And it, I mean, you know, you you would think if it was abortion was easy and, and okay, women would feel okay about it, then they would feel okay talking about it. But usually they, they aren't very rarely, you know, and it's because there's so much pain. And I guess one of the other things I would say in terms of maybe why women struggle is because God has created us to nurture and, you know, um, give life. And so it kind of goes against everything that he's created us as women to do. Yeah. No, that's really good. And you asked something that I get asked a ton. What do you have to say to the woman out there who's saying, God will never forgive me, or I can't even forgive myself. How will God forgive me? You know, God says that through Jesus, all our sins are forgiven. And as humans, we tend to want to rank sin like, well, abortion is a worse sin than stealing. Or, But the reality is that because God is a holy God, he couldn't look at any sin. Now, certainly there are natural consequences to sins that, to sin that, or decisions that we make that are against God's plan that affect us and have more severe consequences. You know, if I steal a pack of gum, it's probably like the cons- natural consequences for that are not the same as if I would have an abortion and then get a bad infection and not be able to have children again. Or, you know, so there, there are natural consequences but in God's eyes, sin, any sin separates us from him. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why he died. And so when we ask Jesus to cover our sin and tell him we're sorry, he promises to forgive us. And then he forgets it. You know, God doesn't see, see when God looks at us, he sees us through Jesus. He sees us fully forgiven and clean. He doesn't look at us and say, oh, you know, you know, that woman had an abortion or this woman did this. He doesn't, he doesn't see that. In Psalm 103, 3, it says, he forgives all my sins. And, 
And in verse four says, he redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. And in, in Psalm or in Isaiah 61, one of the things I love about that passage is it talks about him, about the Lord releasing the prisoners um, and binding up the brokenhearted and setting captives free. And then he said, Isaiah 61 is so that they can proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and they comfort. It switches to he's, he has, he binds up the brokenhearted. He proclaims freedom for the captives and release for the prisoners. And then they turn around and help others. And that's, that's, that is what I've seen. And probably what I love of the most about this ministry um, is how when the Lord redeems and restores and heals women, what the enemy meant for evil, God uses for good and the freedom that he gives them and the heart of compassion and the ability to reach out and, and minister comfort to other women is just amazing. Mm, that's so good. How many women who come into the clinic for pregnancy tests find out they're pregnant, have abortions? Do you tend to see those women come back later for post-abortion counseling, or have you seen that? Um, not as much as we'd like, though more, we've seen more in recent years than in the past. In general, statistically, women seek help five to 20 years after. Oh, wow. And I think, I think part of that is because, you know, of course, I mean, women, very few women, any make this decision lightly. I mean, there are many pressures that are brought to bear against them before they make this decision. And so they make the decision. And then part of the part of that process then is relief. So then, you know, that can move into denial and kind of repression. So that can go on for a while before they they realize that maybe they do need help. And sometimes women, or very often, I think they don't even realize some of the things that they're experiencing are related to, to their past abortions. So many of the women that I've worked with over the years or have responded to when we've had groups are older, might be a little bit older, maybe already have their children, uh, have had children or married or been in relationships. Though we, we have had some that are, you know, young women. I worked with a couple young women last year who are, were students. And, and the one wanted um, counseling. She'd come in for STD testing. And it came out in the conversation that she recently had an abortion and she was really struggling. And the other one had had an abortion and felt like she was okay. But I asked her if she wanted to come and meet with me and this other girl because sometimes it's nice to have more than one. And she said, yes. And <laughs> the second time we met, she's like, I thought I was okay until I read this. And now I realize I'm not okay. Hmm. Yeah. 
I think there's a lot to be said for stuffing it down because like you said, initially there's so much relief, like, oh, it's done, you know, like I don't have to worry about this anymore. And then over time, so, and then you kind of stuff it and you're fine. And then, and then it's like, then all of a sudden you're like, maybe not so fine, but you don't know why you're not so fine. What is your goal when women come to you for post-abortion counseling? What is your ultimate goal for them? My ultimate goal for them, for when they finish the counseling, that they will realize who they are in God's eyes and how much he loves them, that they're forgiven, and that they're able to move forward in their life and they would be able to fulfill the destiny that God has for them. Because I believe very strongly that the enemy's hand is all over abortion. Initially, he's lying to women about, it's not a baby, you'll be fine. Then as soon as it happens, he's like, he be, the other lies begin. God will never forgive you. You may not be able to have children, you know, all those kind of things. And there are so many women sitting in churches that feel like God can't use me because of this past sin in my life that nobody knows about or very few people know about. And the truth of the matter is that when God heals them, he can take that and use them so powerfully and that doesn't mean that they have to go out and tell a bunch of people that they had an abortion. But but that healing um, and that wholeness that the Lord brings is going to open them up to be able to do whatever God's called them to do. I'm just curious, have you ever counseled men, young men who or men who whose um, girlfriends or wives have had an abortion? I have not personally taken men through the study, but what we have done is there's a, um, a, a pastor in this area who, when I have young men or husbands that would like to go through it, he takes them through the, the Bible study, and it's called Healing. The one we use is called Healing a Father's Heart, and it's, uh, it's the companion the male version of Forgiven and Set Free, which is the one we general, I generally use with women. So that's been really good. And there, a couple of the groups we had, there were women in, in the group whose husbands were concurrently going through the study at the same time with um, this pastor. Because I've there have been, been a number of women I've met who their abortions were with their then hus or later husbands, which is interesting, and later they would get married. And uh, I can imagine there'd be some tension in a marriage if things came up, bubbled up. Yes, because there's there's this there's a death between you, really, and women struggle because they you know God God created them to be nurturers and life givers, and men struggle with. This, with similar things, but sometimes for different reasons, because they are, in general, God's created them to be protectors and providers. And so when they start seeing 
they start realizing I didn't protect my child. I didn't protect his or her mother. Um, I didn't provide for them. When they start seeing that pain, it, you know, it's hard. And then I have met a number of young men um, whose girlfriends had abortions and they either didn't know until after it happened or they had, even though they didn't want that choice to be made, it was made and they had, they had no really say in it. And so they're grieving that loss. How do women know if they should seek post-abortion counseling? Some of the questions that they can ask themselves, <laughs> and there are a lot of them. I'll just get, read a couple from the, the book that we use in the chapter of how, how do I know where I need healing. And one would be, do you find yourself struggling to turn off fe- the feelings connected to your abortion? Perhaps telling yourself over and over to forget about it. When abortion is mentioned in public, do you find that you react physically? For example, tightening your stomach muscles, clenching your jaw, or holding your breath. Um, do you avoid books or magazines or television programs that deal with abortion? Um, another one would be like you said, with children, you have are you affected by physical reminders, babies, pregnant women, children, and are you uncomfortable around children? One of the things that I find interesting and tends to be true or can be true, is that there are certain times of the year women will find themselves depressed or sick or accident-prone. And often they might be the anniversary date of the abortion or the month the baby would have been born. Sometimes women, don't, they can trace like times they've been depressed, and when they look back, they realize it is an anniversary date, though they never connected it. Wow. Um, rationalizing why you're better off without that child in your life. Um, did they, you begin to use drugs or alcohol or increase that intake following your abortion? When talking about your abortion, are you overcome with sorrow, anger, or guilt? So any of these or have problems with intimacy? If you answer yes to any of those questions, I would say <laughs> talk to somebody about it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Or if you're, I would add two things. One, if you've never told anybody, like you've just kept this secret all of your life and like you want to talk about it or you like you don't want to talk about it, but you want to release the secret. I would say that too. And sometimes, and I think those are such good questions. I know for me, I was in so much denial that really God had to show me like I I want to show you the wound in your heart because I want to heal that wound in your heart. And so for me, and you know the story and I've shared the story, but I needed an internship and all I knew, I I never have had heard of pregnancy clinics in my whole life. Like I didn't know what that was, but I just thought you guys were a counseling place. And I came there and I remember getting an application and saying, I, I need an internship because I want to be a counselor. I had no idea what kind of counseling you did. And I remember reading the application and it's saying, what do you know about abortion? And I literally was like, well, I don't know anything. So I went and bought a book on it. (laughs) 
And to this day, I am shocked that Barnes and Noble had this book. I mean, I can't even believe it because it was all, it was all statistics and research about the hidden pain that women go through with abortions. And I remember reading this book and just crying and I knew, and I had come to a place where probably a few days before I went to the clinic to get the application, I was on the floor crying, caked on makeup, like living a life I did not want to live, saying, Lord, I can't go any lower. Like, if you don't help me, I'm done. Like, I'm done. And and then and then going there and then getting that book and then reading it. And then it was so clear. <laughs> the Lord was like, I, I want you to go and talk about your abortion so that I can heal you. And then, of course, I did. And it was hard and awful and and then really good and very freeing. It's not an easy thing. I, I, I'm assuming, I only know my own experience, of course, but I assume you see lots of women come in and they think they want to go through the process. And then part we, part way through, they're like, I hate this. Yes. Yeah. I think, and I think that is one of the reasons sometimes we see more women who are a little further removed from, you know, a few more years down the road because it is, it's painful to go through, um, especially the first, you know, few weeks. Like there's usually a turning point where it gets a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think when someone has struggled with the pain or it's gotten so bad that they may be a little more motivated to stay in it um, and work through that. Whereas sometimes initially for somebody who's just, it's a little bit fresher, they may not be quite ready. And that's okay. You know, and sometimes women will go through the study a couple different times because there's different levels of healing. And that's good too. You know, like everybody's at a different place and um, it's, that's okay. God is so gentle with us and, and it's all right. He heals us layer by layer, like an onion. Yeah. Uh, So another thing is, well, I want to say this to women who are listening. Post-abortion counseling, as far as I know, if you go through a pregnancy clinic is free. So that's awesome because, you know, most counseling is not free, (laughs) but but this is, and it usually takes about six to eight weeks to go through this kind of counseling. So I just wanted to put that out there. There's a lot of fear. I feel like there's a lot of fear around pregnancy clinics right now. Like everybody thinks that they're run by like religious nuts who are going to like strap you down and tell you that like you're the devil if you do this and and. I don't know. Like, I just keep hearing so many. I feel like pregnancy clinics are getting slandered so majorly. And I want to say, listen, I can't speak for every clinic, but the women that I have met who run clinics, who are a part of clinics, they are kind and gentle and compassionate. And I never experienced anything other than gentleness and compassion and kindness when I went to the clinic and with Anne as my counselor. I never felt judgment or any any forcefulness or pushing. It was just as I was ready to deal with things, Anne was just, she guided me. And so because there's a lot of fear 
around pregnancy clinics right now. There sort of seems to be a campaign against pregnancy clinics. And I'm sure there are some bad ones. I mean, there maybe there are. I, I don't know. But what can women expect if they're listening and they're like, I think I want to deal with this and I, I want to find somebody and it's free. What can they expect when they walk into a clinic to get post-abortion counseling? What they should be able to expect, and I would imagine is true for most places, that clinics that would offer post-abortion counseling, is somebody who really loves them and wants to hear their story, who is going to listen to them and guide them through this process, but not pressure them, not pressure them to go faster than they're ready, to share more than they're ready to share. I personally, though I've taken a lot of women through counseling one-on-one and that works and works well, I love the group dynamics when when we have had post-abortion groups that met and we would start the group and a few couple weeks in, then you don't add anybody because it's a very safe place because confidentiality is very important. And mm-hmm. um, women in these studies, in our studies need to feel safe sharing how they're feeling and being vulnerable. But that dynamic of being with other women who have gone through similar experiences, though everyone's is different, is really um, amazing. So a lot of places, and here also, when we have enough women, um, or several women, three, even two or so, that would like to go through it, I like to put them together, if possible. I think one thing I would really like to say, in terms of sharing that secret or taking that step, is that the enemy, when, thing, when we hold things inside, in the dark, they have so much more power. And when we speak it out to somebody, to a safe person, and we tell that person, it loses a lot of the power that it had over us. Yes. And for me personally, as as. I, I am not post-abortive, but I have, it is such a privilege or has been such a privilege and an honor for me to walk through this healing with a lot of women. And I understand how much courage it takes someone to reach out. And I, we try to make, hear, make it so that, you know, they can call me directly. My number's on the, our website. And so that they don't have to go through like five different people and tell them what they want. <laughs> I have been so blessed by women who have trusted me with their secrets. And so I, I just want to encourage women out there. You when you find somebody that you can entrust with that secret, you are going to bless them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just your courage and your willingness to be vulnerable and their your vulnerability and the vulnerability of the women like you, Sarah, and other women who I've worked with have helped teach me to be more vulnerable. And every time I go through this study, you know, we've all had losses in our lives. You know, the Lord works on things on me too. You know, I mean, my particular thing was an abortion, but um, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. I am sure you have heard some really beautiful stories of women who had questions that God answered regarding their babies at the end of counseling. So for example, um, when I wanted to know the sex of my baby, and that was something I was just really struggling with, you told me to ask the Lord, and I did. And I had that uh, very vivid dream. And in the dream, my son's name, it was a boy and my son's name was David. And it brought me such peace and comfort. And have you heard other stories like this from women? And is there one that maybe stands out that you could tell us? Yes. One of my um, friends who actually facilitates post-abortion groups with me, um, the Lord did a lot of healing in her life. Um, even before she came through the group, later she became a facilitator. But when she asked the Lord about her, the baby that she had aborted, the Lord gave her a picture of this child, like swinging um, with long hair, and and gave her a name, which I don't remember, but he said, but the Lord said, I have been her father. And mm. I know that that was so healing to her to just have that picture of Jesus pushing her on a swing. You know? And That is so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I love that. What I remember the rest of that story is he told her, he said, I took her before the procedure started. And I have been her father. Oh, these stories always make me cry. <laughs> yeah, me too. But that was so healing for her to think about. You know, the Lord took her daughter before the actual procedure started, and he has been her father. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. And what can you tell women whose daughter or sister or friend comes to them and says, I'm pregnant? And we're not talking about the happy situation where, you know, they wanted to get pregnant or they're married and having a baby, but yeah. the situation where there's, you know, it's unexpected. And what do you say, especially I think of daughters coming and telling their their parents, what would you say that a how can a parent respond to that? I think it's obviously a really hard time. It's hard for a parent. They may see the dreams they've had for their child, like going up in smoke somehow, because this wasn't the plan. But I think ultimately the most important thing is just to hug them or say, you know, I'm sorry this happened but I love you. And, you know, let's talk about 
what this can look like and how I can help you, you know, start, whether that's starting to look at, you know, what it would look like to carry and, and make an adoption plan or what it would look like to carry and parent. Um, but mostly I think just acceptance and just listening and if they're and crying with them, they're sad because it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Gosh, there's lots of people that are, I mean, I've met lots of women who are in stable marriages and, you know, and they get pregnant and it's like, wow, you know, like I really didn't want another baby, you know, and there may be tears initially, but then, you know, and then they're, then the excitement might come, but you know, there's a lot of people in situations that are really hard and, and scary. And I think there's an honest grieving that can accompany yes. what you're going yes. through. It's it's okay to say, like, um, my husband and I were just having this conversation. Like, if I found out I was pregnant right now, there would be grieving because I can't yes. even yes. imagine. But then, yeah. you know, then it's okay okay, here we go. It's a new adventure. Like, Lord, let's do yes. this. Um, but I think it's just good to be honest. Like you are going to yeah. grieve the loss of something. You're going to grieve the yes. loss of what you thought your life might've been like. And that's, right. a, that's a something to lament. And it's okay to be honest in your grief until you can move forward. So that's really good. Sometimes like I will, I have recommended in the past, if, if a young woman is afraid of how her parents are going to react because some or someone that they tell, because all of us are guilty of speaking first and <laughs> thinking later um, and saying hurtful things. Sometimes I'll say, write a letter to your parents or whoever it is. Tell them what's going on. Tell them what you're, what you're thinking, what your plan is, you know, and tell them, I want to give you some time to process this and then I'm going to call you or I'm going to come home and we'll talk about it. But to give them some time to process or as parents, if someone comes, if your daughter comes to you, just listen and just love, but don't, don't attack, I guess, you know, like sometimes it's better to, to say, can you give me some time? I love you. Can you give me some time to process this? And then we'll talk about it if you feel like there's anger welling up or because once those words are out there, you can't suck them back. That is excellent advice. Okay. How do you respond if your friend or sibling or child says, I want, or I'm going to have an abortion? I think asking good questions about what's driving this decision, you know, why do you feel like this is is a good decision for you? So that you can hear, like asking good questions about what are your fears or what are your concerns? Um, and then, you know, can we just talk about um, what if what if you chose to what what might it look like if you chose to carry and parent this baby, or if you chose to carry and make an adoption plan for this child. And also, if, you, if you're if you near a pregnancy center, or most 
there should be pregnancy centers fairly close to most places, you know, asking, could I take you? Could I take you there? Would you be willing to, to talk to somebody there about, you know, just get some education on what your risks and procedures, the procedures are so that you can make a fully informed decision. Generally, just trying to help them slow down because so often decisions are made so quickly. They feel, you know, like someone in a situation like that, a woman in that kind of situation feels like she has to decide right now. She has to take care of this right now. And for the most part, you have time to look at what might my life look like five years from now, now if I make the decision to have an abortion? What will my life look like five years from now if I decide to parent this baby? What will my life look like five years or ten years from now if I choose to make an adoption plan? Because whatever choice you make is going to affect the rest of your life. I mean, and they're all hard choices. Slowing down the conversation. Like, people have to have the freedom to really look at their options and make a decision because they have to own the decision. Like as much as I might like to make it for them, I can't, it's not my decision to make and, and letting them know that you love them regardless yes. of whatever decision, what does any decision that they make, you still love them and you, you're going to be there. Like you may not be part of the facilitating if they would choose to terminate the pregnancy or have the abortion, you might not be part, want to be part of facilitating that, like taking them there or something, but, but you will be there for them after um, emotionally and you will love them that your love isn't based on the decision they make. Yes. Your love is not based on the decision they make. I love that. And that is so important. That is so good and so important. And I think I remember when I worked at the pregnancy clinic and I would counsel girls who came in and they would be so torn up. And so many of the girls who wanted to choose abortion, it was because they were just so afraid of telling their parents, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I heard, if I tell my parents, they'll kill me. And I just remember talking with them and saying, like, no matter what, like, if you want to come back and talk about it after the abortion, like, you can. Like, it's okay. We love you. And if you don't, that's fine, too. But but we are here and you'll have a safe place. And just, I think, women knowing that they have choices and that they have somebody safe to talk to and who will love them no matter what. Because I think the... and. Again, we, we can never speak for all women. You know, there are plenty of women who have abortions and, and say they're fine. So who am I to say they're not fine? Um, but plenty of women also go through it not realizing the pain that, that does come down the road later. So just, yeah, to love them through whatever decision. I, that's so good, Anne. The other thing that I want to talk about and... I wasn't going to bring this up, but as we were talking, <laughs> this is how it goes, right? When you're talking, these things come up. I think a lot about, you know, we hear, you know, no no woman likes abortion. Like nobody likes abortion. Like, <laughs> you know, nobody's, you know, they they want the availability, but nobody's, you know, cheering like, yay, we want abortion in the pure sense of it. 
And we hear a lot about women who've been raped or incest survivors who get pregnant. And I was wondering, I, I had always heard or believed that when you are raped or when there is incest and there is a baby produced, that to have an abortion often can cause trauma upon trauma. And I was, and this is such a tender area and there's no easy answers, hence the name of this podcast, The Complicated Heart. Um, Have you ever counseled women who have been raped and had a pregnancy and chose to not abort? Not that I can remember. It doesn't mean I haven't. I actually not sure I've ever counseled a woman who was pregnant due to rape. Well, that's not true. I I can remember counseling young women who were date raped and came in for pregnancy tests, but I don't remember ones that were any that were positive. But I do agree with with the statement that very often abortion will just add trauma onto the trauma of rape because when someone is raped they're violated very violated. And of course, I think often people feel like, gosh, that child will just be a reminder of this, you know, event. And so in, and encourage uh, the abortion, but then the abortion itself is so traumatic and it's like a second violation. And that may not be true for everybody, but that's definitely, that definitely happens. Have you read, is there any research? I have no idea if there's any research on the trauma associated with abortions and rape. I I don't know. I didn't know if there is any. I don't know. I can't remember if in Forbidden Grief, if she talked about that at all. I think she probably did. That's probably why it's in my head, because I do remember reading there was trauma upon trauma, but I don't remember where I read it. Yeah, she probably did because she would have had she would have had clients, patients like that. And F- Dr. Philip Nay, an EY, he's done a lot of research on abortion and how it affects families and how it affects individuals. He may have he may have some research on that, but um, I don't. I have two more questions for you. How can women respond to others when a friend tells them? that they had an abortion either recently or a long time ago and they've never told anybody or maybe they have, but how can somebody respond when someone trusts them enough to tell them their secret? I think the two things that I would say are one is I'm sorry for your loss and um, thank you for trusting me with that. I will keep that confidence (laughs) so that they're not afraid to continue talking about it, but just recognizing that it's a loss because it is. And I think that's one of the things that women are not, if someone has a woman has a miscarriage, you know, people are like, I'm so sorry for your loss. But when a woman has an abortion, she's not given that privilege, I guess, or, She's, she's, she's not, does not feel the freedom to mourn the loss that she's experienced. 
That is so true. I'll, I'll never forget, even though I've gone through counseling, even though I speak about my abortion, I have grieved it, I have been set free. I still, when I remember a few years ago when I was running a conference, or this was several years ago now, one of the speakers said, if you have lost a baby, like, would you stand? And I just felt so much shame. Like, I don't get, I don't get to stand because I made this decision. And I know there are people listening who are probably like, yeah, you don't have a right to stand. Like, I lost babies and you took, you know, you, you did not lose your baby. But so often the circumstances around abortion are just so complicated and there is still a loss, especially, especially when a girl or a woman does not want to have the abortion, but feels pressured to have the abortion. That is, it is a trauma and it's a different kind of loss because the shame involved is immense. Yeah. I want you to speak directly now to the two groups of women who are listening right now, I know that there are, there's a woman listening or women listening who are on the verge of having an abortion. And if you could just speak directly to them, what would you want to say to them right now? I would want to say, we love you no matter what decision you make. But I would ask you to really seek out help or ask, have you sought out help? What fears may be driving this decision? Take some time, if you haven't, to really look at all of your options and what kind of support you might have. Because whatever decision you ultimately make is going to affect the rest of your life. And I think that's the hardest thing for me in this over the years when women have made decisions to have abortions it what hurts my heart is knowing how much pain they may experience later and watching women have to go through that um, that is the heart for me. That has been the hardest thing. It's not like, it's sad to me that the baby, there's the loss of a baby, but I, I know that the baby is with the Lord and okay. <laughs> but I also know from watching the potential pain, um, and heartbreak that that decision can bring. And, I have also seen the beauty of God's restoration and the, his healing, and that's an amazing thing. But I would wish that my heart would be that nobody would have to go through that, that particular pain to get that kind of healing. Hmm. And Anne, what do you want to say to the woman out there who has had an abortion and is struggling or has never told anybody? Find a safe place. Find a safe person that you can tell. And I, I also want to apologize to, for people who have said things in your presence or to you that didn't know you had an abortion 
hurtful things that have driven that secret deeper. I was in a small group one time, a church small group, and I knew there was a young woman in the group that had had abortion in her past, and and somebody in the group made some comment like, I can't believe that anyone would murder their baby. And I sat there and thought, oh my gosh, she will never seek help or feel safe in this place talking about that pain. And um, I am sorry for that because, because that isn't God's heart. So find a safe person. Um, and it may need to be somebody that you don't know initially, like who runs, who does post-abortion counseling that you can, you can talk to uh, because the Lord will really begin that healing process in your life when you step out and open that door. And again, know that your vulnerability and your courage in doing that will bless um, the person who want, who helps you or wants to walk with you through that. I wish every post-abortive woman could have an Anne. <laughs> Anne, I'm so grateful for your work and your ministry and your service to God and to all of the women whose lives you have helped to find healing. Thank you so much, Anne, for being on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Reviews are how people know if they should listen or not. So please, if you like the show, take a minute and give it a review. Thank you so much. If you want to know more, check out saramay.com forward slash the complicated heart podcast. See you next time.